Good morning. Our reading of the scriptures this morning is from the 58th chapter of Isaiah, verses 1 through 12. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They asked of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a dumbbell? I fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in a sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the day that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice and to undo the thongs of the yoke? to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindictor shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the evil speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the afflicted. Then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to live in. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for today, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thank you, Charlie. You know, it's always great when we could have members of our church help us in so many different ways. Uh, it was in July, on July 3rd of 1993, when I had taken a position with the Illinois Great Rivers Conference. Now it's the conference, but at that time it was the, uh, uh, the Illinois area. I was looking forward to going to middle or central Illinois and uh, experience what that was going to be like. A few days after the 4th of July, the rain started to pour and the Mississippi River was rising. We were getting all that rain from Minnesota and all the flooding would come down the, the Mississippi River and the news reports were saying that it was going to be high. And then it got higher and higher and they, the news reports was talking about how the Mississippi was rising higher and higher. And then the word got out that the levee had broken. Now those of us that are not familiar with what a levee is, a levee is a, a, a barrier of ground above a river. And that levee is what is to stop the water from coming through. But somehow, some way, the levee gave way and it flooded much of the area. On about the 13th or 14th, Bishop Lawson gave me a call and he said, Dan, we need your help. Would you go over to one little town called Hull? And I mean, this is a little town, Hull, Illinois. We had a new pastor that was appointed on July 1. She just moved in, and already the floodwaters were coming up. Well, I arrived on the 15th of July. It was amazing to see how devastated this community was. Floods, the water was up. I couldn't drive much further. The the water started to go down and I could walk into the parsonage. Uh, the water had gone up about four foot in the parsonage. And I met our pastor and I asked her, what can I do? I'm here to help. And she said, oh, I'll tell you, I have my hands full. She was thinking about what is the most important thing she could do. And she said she would take care of the children and she would uh, babysit the children so the parents could go back, fill sandbags, and put them on the levee break. The county prisoners were there uh, also to work, and the National Guard was called in. It was a severe, severe problem. We hopped into a boat. I wanted to see what the United Methodist Church was like and to see where the water was up and 
records of the church in filing cabinets, hymns were floating on top of the water. The church was damaged. Houses were damaged. People's lives were just destroyed. What would you do if your home was destroyed like that? It was quite a tragedy for this community to the point where this congregation had to have the church torn down and rebuilt on higher ground outside of town. Then the effects of the other people came in. People that were living there were trying to find some of their relatives so they would have a place to live. And yet uh, we had people that were bringing in some food and what have you. There was a, uh, a kitchen that was opened up so that people that were working on the levee, people that were trying to clean up, even the children could get something to eat. But it was interesting, those folks that lived up on the, in the next town on higher ground were really angry at everyone that got uh, flooded out. You know, isn't it interesting, when someone goes through a crisis, somebody always tells, well, this is what you should have done. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's so much easier for us to blame others when they're going through a crisis. Well, that pastor did the best she could in working with those people. In fact, the restaurant opened up real soon, and they were upset about the workers getting free food, thinking they ought to be helping them. Isn't that the way life is? You know, today I'm going to ask you uh, to do a couple things. One is, I would like you to think about one thing that's going on in the world today that's important to you that matters. Something that you keep up with in the news that you have opinions and beliefs about. Think of those. It might even be something that you find on social media or something you talk about with those who also were having things on their mind. You know there are no right or wrong answers, but we see a lot of conflicts in our life and a lot of terrible things are happening around us. Look at the conflicts we have of where we are. We are faithful by being religious. We're here at church. We come to see each other. We come to worship God. We go through our prayers. We go through our hymns. And yet, in some ways, are we really committed in our faith? It's one of the conflicts we have. We see those tragedies around us. We get upset and we wonder, what can I do? <clears throat> I remember when I lived in Kentucky, there was a man that said he said his prayers every night. In fact, he wrote down all of his prayers that he had and put them on a piece of paper. And he thought, well, how am I going to pray every night? So he pasted them on his ceilings and put them all around. 
And then when he laid in bed, he said, God, them's my, spirit, my uh, feelings for tonight. Sometimes we do that with our faith, don't we? We kind of have a watered-down faith. But I'd like for you to remember some things, too, about the conflicts that we're going to face in life. We usually get in the routine of doing that religious thing. And we forget about expressing our faith that we are to live. Scripture today came from Isaiah, the 58th chapter. Hebrew people, the Israelites, <coughs> They were in a battle in uh, 597 BC. The country of Babylon swooped into Israel. The battle took place and the Israelites lost. They were ripped from their homes and taken to Babylon. And they were to live there because Babylon was moving into what was Judah and Israel. For 70 years, they lived in Babylon. Now, if you can put this on a map in your mind, Babylon is where Iraq and Iran are today. Isn't it interesting the way history repeats itself? The second third generation are let free. And they're free to come home to, to Israel and rebuild their lives. They heard the stories from their parents, but the temple had been torn down. They came to the village that they heard they came from, and they went to homes, and they found that other people were living in their, the homes that they were torn away from. They had to rebuild. Food was scarce. How are they going to deal with all that? So the normal thing to do when you feel like you need some hope, you go to God and you pray. And they started to do the religious things by fasting, because that's what they were taught to do. They, were, they uh, practiced their prayers. They started to follow the religious holidays. But Isaiah has a way of tapping them on the shoulder and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're not reaching out where you're supposed to be. You have people that are hungry. You have people that are, that are afflicted. They need care. The little bit that you have, what can you give? Because when you give, that's when you begin to build your faith and have a stronger faith. You know, just like you and I, when the pushes and shoves and tragedies hit us, we wonder what we can do. We've experienced deaths in our families, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, our sisters, even our spouses. We feel the loss and the pain of seeing them go. Some of us have had jobs at this time and their jobs have dried up and they have no work. 
score. There are even those that are in jobs that they hate, but it's a job for them. Then we have others that are called to go to war, whether they wanted to or not. And they had to face those dangers. There are car accidents, and there are marriage breakdowns. And we're just like the Israelites, where we get angry and we start to wonder, where is this God that's supposed to be a loving God? Even Jesus talked about an earthquake and how some people killed in an earthquake. It's interesting. Uh, my secretary and I were talking about a hurricane that was coming up the East Coast. And here we are in uh, Illinois. And my secretary said to me, why don't those people move away from the East Coast because there's hurricanes there? And I said, well, why are we living here where there are tornadoes? You know, how do we get the perspective of where things are? Isaiah tells the people, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your, loom, your gloom be like the noonday. How do we deal with that? I have a friend, Steve. Uh, I enjoy Steve. He's, he's really a character. Happens to be Jewish, but he's a friend of mine. Well, he was telling me that when he retired, he and his wife moved to Florida, and they were looking forward to and spending time with each other and doing those husband and wife kind of fun things. But soon after they moved down here, his wife had gotten stomach cancer, and she eventually died. Steve was angry with God. He said, I've done everything through my life, and here she's gone. Why did God do that? He stopped going to synagogue. He stopped following all of the religious holidays. He gave up on God, angry with God. Some of us are the same way. We're religious and we try to do everything. We grew up in the church and we follow what is said in the church. And then when that tragedy hits, where do we go? Some of us just give up. You see, this is a crisis of faith. Where is God in our faith? We're taught to worship this God and to follow God, but we have an invisible God. Is this just a figment of imagination? Or is there something deeper for us that we have to wrestle with? <sighs> you see, there's not much to hold on to when we just have religion in our life. We're faced with a solid wall that we cannot break through. What do we do? And it's always interesting how we have those people that are on the sidelines, and usually someone will say, well, that's the will of God. That's a nice way of saying, get over it, when you cannot get over it. There are pains that come into our life. How do we deal 
being angry with God and questioning God. I was listening to a documentary earlier this week of a Holocaust survivor and how she said that living in uh, Auschwitz, how terrible it was for her. And she saw friends and neighbors and other people that were in uh, the same building that she was sleeping in die right next to her. And she said, where is God? I gave up on God. But she resolved she's going to get through this thing no matter what. After she was freed and she arrived back into the United States. What can I do now? So she was instrumental in starting a Holocaust museum. And today she teaches children about the Holocaust so people will not forget. She realized that there was a purpose for her life. You see, what I'm asking you is not to be religious today, but I'm asking you to live your faith by facing the terrible things that come our way and that can happen to you. None of us want those, but it is through these tragedies that we know that God is there weeping with us, feeling the pain we have, and yet trying to guide us and give us the assurance that we are in God's hands no matter what comes our way. Part of my job as a pastoral counselor in working with ministers of all denominations at, at one time or another is to help them to realize that God has given them as a, as a priest, a rabbi, or a pastor to use those gifts that God has given them and to understand what they are. Let me tell you a story. Uh, I was supervising a Jesuit priest in his counseling. Father Bill, I'll call him. And Bill uh, came from a upper middle class family. His father was an attorney in California. And he wound up in the Baltimore area. Now, Bill was assigned to a counseling center in East Baltimore. And this was a, a place where the steel mills had um, left, factories had left, the economy was down, gangs were forming. And Bill, remind, let me remind you, he came from this upper middle class family down into this family where people were, or community, where people were in the midst of their struggling. And I saw him soon after one of his counseling sessions, and he came in. His eyes were up, were just lit up. He said, I had a 19-year-old come in, and I've been working him for a few weeks, but this time he took his keys out of his pocket and laid them on the floor. There were brass knuckles on them. I didn't know what to do. And I had to help Bill see that as a priest, he needed to reach those even though they're out of his comfort place and to feel where God is. Uh, 
I think it was Monday, Judy received a call from our daughter. And she was a bit upset. She told us that there were friends of hers that went to their church, a nice couple, they had two children. He happened to be a police officer. And the previous night, there was a shootout. And he was shot. In fact, he didn't even have enough time to pull his pistol out to fire. His partner was wounded, but the man who shot him was killed. Here is the family now dealing with the death of a police officer. And as a matter of fact, this afternoon, the oldest daughter is going to graduate from high school. Tragedy and yet something to celebrate. And we need to pray for this family. And yet, we come to church and we're disturbed by some of those things we read in the Bible. You know, the Bible is not just something that uh, we want to dust off every once in a while, but rather the Bible gives us a message for living. Listen to what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light, your candle under a bushel, but rather let it shine so others can, may see your good works and glory, and give glory to the Father in heaven. How can each of us let that light that we have from our Christian faith shine into the world? This church has ways of doing that. About five, six years ago, we had gotten word from Beverly Shores saying, we have a problem here. We have some little girls. Well, they come to school and uh, they haven't had their underwear changed for a long time. You think your church can gather some panties for girls six to ten years old? And this church responded. That's one way of sharing your light in the world. You know, when you go shopping and you walk around town, we have invisible people in this world. And we don't see them. If you ever go to a hospital to visit someone, do you ever notice the people who are cleaning the floors and removing the trash? Or what about your garbage men? I haven't seen a garbage woman yet, but have you the garbage men? We need these people. How do we treat them? Do we say hello? Do we say thank you? What about the stock clerks when we go shopping in grocery stores? And they're busy straightening out the items on the shelves. Do we say thank you to them? You know, there's a lot of people that we need to say we appreciate what they're doing. And then we come to our Christian faith in being a disciple and how do we make that commitment to be a disciple. You know, that's tough. There was this pig and chicken that were walking down the road one day. 
and they came across the church and there was a sign on the church, free breakfast, donations accepted. Well, the chicken said to the pig, let's go in and give a donation. And the pig said, wait a minute. For you, it's just a donation. For me, it's a commitment. How are we committed like that? If you offer food, your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the morning. Turn on the news every night. Look at the people that are afflicted with the pain of this world. They are afflicted. These are the people that need to be spiritually fed. Your friends, your neighbors who are dealing with uh, conflicts, emotional pains, terrible tragedies in their lives, they are afflicted. People need to be spiritually fed. Those who have been shut in with this uh, COVID virus, they're fearful of getting some kind of this terrible disease and they don't want to leave their house for almost a year. These are people that need to be spiritually fed. Viktor Frankl, a psychiatrist who was incarcerated in the Holocaust and he, he had written a book after he came out of the Holocaust, and it, the title is Man's Search for Meaning. And what he found through his experience is that those who had a goal in their life, they could survive. But those that gave up died. Look at those that have given up in their lives. More importantly, what about you? Have you given up in your life? Look what God has given to you. The way that God has shown you that now many of us are retired and we think, well, I don't need to do anything. What is the goal that God has for you? What does God want you to do? And that's the struggle that we have. Do you know the light of Christ? Where does that light that you have shine? What darkness? Tomorrow, we're going to celebrate Memorial Day. We remember the men and women who had a direction in their life and they made their commitment, their very lives. It's a sad time for all of us as we remember them. Yet how many of us or friends of ours have picnics and joyful days and they celebrate a day off and they think, well, this is a day to go shopping because there's great sales. Yet these are the people that gave their lives for our freedom. See, each one of us can be like the Israelites who had faced their, their tragedies and their losses by picking up 
and doing what they needed to do. They had done the routine, they were religious, but yet are they carrying forth? See, the big spiritual question, that stuff of faith that we have to live with is a question for each of us. Are we just being religious or can we go beyond ourselves? Go beyond the routine of being religious with a vibrant direction of realizing being religious is a springboard to go out and to face the world and to be that light of the world. To use our gifts, to use our talents, and to feed those who are spiritually hungry. Those who need to trust the message of Jesus Christ that he is with us. Let us pray. God, you put an awful lot on our shoulders to know that we are to be faithful to you and to serve you. And yet we know that even with tragedies in our life, somehow, some way, you're going to be with us so that we can go beyond ourselves and know that your presence and your spirit is with us. Amen.